Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term requires broadband. Further terms apply. At Zurich Pensions, we believe small actions can have great impact, like attention to detail that leads to great numbers. 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21 and 22. Years Brokers Ireland awarded us investment excellence. Visit Zurich.ie or talk to a financial broker about topping up your pension. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag Hurling to the Core. Hello and welcome to the Throw on Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How's it going, Will? I'm doing well. Uh, very busy with again of GA action, All Ireland Football Final and the All Ireland Camogie Final. It, it's it's been a great year. I know, obviously, with, with COVID and stuff coming into the campaign, there was a lot of uncertainty, but we've gotten to the finish line now. It's been a brilliant season, hasn't it? Yeah, break badly needed after after <laughs> all that. Um, but yeah, no, it has been a brilliant season. And just even um, with the with the final pairing we had in the football, it was always going to be you know a real a new winner, obviously, and a, a different sort of a final. So and even with as I said, I'm going to go back and say like Mead winning the ladies and Offaly winning the under twenty. And even, you know, a great Limerick team winning the hurling. It's been a, you know, it's been a fantastic year. And I suppose I kind of said it before, it's kind of been a bit of a year of mostly for the underdog. Limerick haven't had a load of hurling titles. Offaly definitely haven't had a load of under 20s. Tyrone have only had four senior titles. Mead have never won a ladies football. So uh, this year, I think uh, more so than any other year, will definitely give hope for everybody that uh, maybe they're not as far away as maybe some teams think they are. No, I, I know I agree with you completely. And it's funny, uh, we've just finished this season, but I'm already really excited for 2022. There seems to be so many possibilities across the board. It's just going to be interesting to see how we manage ourselves in the off-season, Will. You know, <laughs> we need, might, might need to take a sun holiday for two months just to recharge the batteries yeah. and get going again. We get back into pre-season and uh, kick on again for next year. No, exactly. But uh, we've one more show left to get through anyway before we, we turn our attention to that. Anyway, a little later on, we're going to be joined by Ursula Jacob to go over Galway's win over Cork at the Camogie final. But first and foremost, we're going to reflect on the football decider. We have Dick Clerk and a correspondent here with us. And, and Dick, I might go to you first. I, I know it is tempting to maybe start with Mayo, given how long they've been on this journey. But it's probably fair to first and foremost give Tyrone their due. Why do you think they won ultimately on Saturday? What, what do you think they got right in Croke Park? It's just and you're right because I think it's about time we start giving due credit to Tyrone and stop feeling sorry for Mayo because it was really a phenomenal achievement when you look back, you know, and not just you know people making a big deal about a league game in Killarney and she listens but loads. I think didn't Mayo give Tyrone a hockey in a league game it was a last year. I'm not sure. I wouldn't worry too much about a league game. It's more from from where they've been over the last few years and sort of everyone's team to hate to actually let's be honest, you couldn't but respect and appreciate um, not just winning because um, you can get over the line winning in certain ways which they've sort of done in the past um, but the manner in which they play it like you know it's everything that you'd want in your team that you'd be involved in or if you're a coach at any level um, the confidence the 
the skill level, the, the just that passion, the tackling, the discipline, and you know all the stuff that people love to throw at Tyrone over the last ten years. There was none of that, and you know from a modern person who had grown to dislike Tyrone for that um, and begrudge them, it you couldn't you couldn't begrudge it, and I just total respect and admiration um, for what they done and how they done it. Well, yeah, because there's been some journey as Dick mentioned you know the league match obviously but even the, the gauntlet they've run through in the championship you know beating Monaghan beating Donegal beating Kerry beating Mayo there's probably been very few maybe in one of the years of the Super 8s with a couple of more big teams playing each other but, but to go through that run of teams and to get out on the other side of it is mightily impressive yeah beating Cavan as well um, like it's a, it's a seriously impressive uh, pathway to victory and in fairness they uh, they improve steadily throughout the whole championship and, and delivered a really good final performance like uh, I, I have my hand on my heart I was supporting Mayo and shouting for Mayo the other day but I, they thought the writing was on the wall after about 20 or 25 minutes Tyrone were totally playing the game on their terms and had it not been uh, obviously Mayo missed chances but had it not been for maybe Conor McKenna missing a mark and um, Carl McShane missing a free you know, they would have been seven or eight clear and could have had the game put to bed. They left the door ever so slightly ajar for Mayo and Mayo weren't able to go through the door. But yeah, it was just a really, really impressive performance uh, all told by, by Toronto. So so many guys stood out to you know, a really big performance. But I think one of the most impressive things was ju- just the subtle differences between last year. I, I don't know if Conor Myler would have played that ball into the edge of the square for McShane's goal last year. I, I don't know if that it, it would have been within their system last year. I don't know if uh, someone like Conor McKenna would have been, not allowed is not the right word, but you know, be able to go and make that run that he did and just give a blind kind of a hand pass for McCurry to get a goal. They were doing things maybe that they weren't doing under the previous uh, regime. There was While they were still unbelievably defensively, uh, well sound defensively, there was just that small bit, I think, more creativity up front and uh, that was probably the difference in some of the in some of those key stages but just a yeah just a brilliant performance um, a brilliant year all told as as pathways to All-Ireland success go probably doesn't get much more much tougher or much more impressive than what Tyrone did so just hats off to them um, they were really really deserving champions and as I said the bit of uh, almost the will that everybody, the vast majority had for Mayo to win was another bit of a cause for them, I suppose, to create for themselves. And they're the best team I've ever seen to, to come up, uh, create this kind of, um, you know, siege mentality. And they had that again on Saturday evening. And yeah, hats off to them, a brilliant performance. Yeah, and Cora, like I, my first question to Dick was what Tyrone got right. And if, if we go to Mayo now, you know, what are you thinking about this morning with a you know, couple of days distance about why Mayo didn't get over the line this time? Yeah, I suppose it's it's very hard to exactly pinpoint it and you don't want to apportion blame at, at any one individual or, you know, area in the pitch. But, you know, I think, you know, from a point of view, this was a massive opportunity for Mayo, um, you know, probably the first time um, over the last decade that they've gone in as slight favourites for an All-Ireland final. Um, you know, while maybe at the start of the year, um, you know, with the ream of retirements and, and, and obviously then Killian going down injured, you know, people would say, you know, Mayo probably had no chance of winning the All-Ireland or even getting to it. But when, when they got there and had the opportunity, I suppose, then, you know, this was a massive opportunity. But I suppose for me, we're where a lot of it went wrong, um, you know, I, I think Tyrone's um, tactics and, and their system of play um, held up a lot stronger than Mayo. Um, you know, sitting watching the game at times, 
you were probably just screaming and, and looking and wondering what, what was, um, you know, Mayo forward unit, what was their system of play in the forward line? Um, you know, I, I still watched back the m- m- match yesterday and I'm still wondering what their actual forward game plan or system of play was because at times it didn't seem like they had one or knew what they were doing. And, and that's not just a portion of blame just, just in the forward line. And, but, and, and you don't like to say it's Mayo's old for, failings coming back, you know, they, they, you know, they couldn't score enough and, yeah, well, they had a numerous amount of wides. I think it was actually a system of play. It didn't seem like we had one at times. We had, you know, obviously Aidan O'Shea inside in the square. We couldn't get long ball into him or kick the ball long into him. Times with Kevin McLaughlin in there, our most creative forward, you know, was sitting very deep. And um, we had Tommy Conroy at times too far away from goal. So for me, it was our decision making, our lack of composure, especially in that kind of forward third. But also, you can equally say, um, you know, where we thought we were going to have an advantage going into this match around the middle third. Um, you know, we thought um, Con Kilpatrick, Brian Kennedy were, you know, weren't as well known as many midfielders throughout the competition. We, we thought with Matthew Ruan there and the form that he was in, um, and then obviously Connor Loftus and, and Jeremy O'Connor around that middle section, we thought it was an area we had. We absolutely got smashed in the middle of the field. Um, and, and the two, um, Kilpatrick and Kennedy, had stormers. So I think from there and our composure and a lack of decision making, um, in the forward line, when I say decision making, it was whether we should have t- taken an extra play like Tommy Conroy probably should have had for his goal. The composure um, when Aidan O'Shea had his goal chance. Maybe if you were a little crafty forward and and, and were a forward of you know that had plays for many years, you might have taken taken the take taking the ball on and, and and going around the goalkeeper and not taking that shot, or maybe have looked across to see the or um, Conor Loftus I think was coming through. You know, you contrast the the Conor McKenna goal. Uh, or, McC- or the Darren McCurry goal set up by Conor McKenna and the, the lack of composure we had for our goal chance, and particularly the Tommy Conroy and um, Aidan O'Shea one. I think that was that was probably the, the main difference. Yeah, and Dick, just you know, reading your column today, it's one line that stood out to me, or two lines, uh, speaking about Mayo. Their error stream display on Saturday evening would surely rank as one of the worst of an all out on finals in memory. The further we move away from Joe McQuillan's full-time whistle, the worse it gets. So I know Cora outlined a couple of areas there where she felt they came up short like from maybe what she said or anything else that you kind of looked at and thought this, they just weren't at the pitch in this area and it really cost them. Yeah, like that might have been a harsh comment, but like it's, I, I thought but but writing it before I did and I said, well, let's go back and I said, I couldn't, the worst performance of the team was back to maybe Cork, I think, was at 07 when they got hockey by Kerry and then Mayo the previous year. Everything other than that, you know, teams, when they get to that level, they deliver a shift, might get beaten, but, you know, they didn't walk out having given a five or six out of ten performance. And let's be honest, that's what we, that's what Mayo delivered on, on Saturday. It was, at best, you know, a six out of ten. And you sort of have to ask questions, why? And you talk about composure and mistakes in front of goal. That's, that's the symptom of a team that's not functioning right it's not you know you, it's it's that lack of instinct but you have to ask yourself and that's you know I think there has to be a, a bit of honest reflection and challenging and not in a you know a lot of people get a bit bit, bit touchy now when you, you you try to challenge and ask questions that all oh, their amateur players and all the rest I don't I don't accept that you know it's, it's elite sport you know you, it, it's fair to ask questions that how how do you deliver that level of a performance so far off your best because if you don't you'll never get to that eight or nine that you need to you know like again kickouts and I and I talked about it and I, I do look at things from a midfield point of view I look up in the middle third because I think that's the area of the pitch that can set the tone and the energy of the whole team either side of it and again it was very obvious that throwing it out and saying Mayo you have the short kickout yeah they pushed up but there was always an option 
it was always an, an easy, a much easier out for Henley than there was, say, against Kerry. I was looking out and it says there was very few kickouts. Remember against Kerry, there was an awful lot of kickouts that Rob had to work really, really hard to find that gap. So it was always, it was always a case of throwing or letting that extra man run deep to pick it up. But every time then that just left it, the throne had their shape, they had the men behind the ball, and they just were always able to tag, hand on, as you said, those players like Kennedy, Kilpatrick, Milo, they're all doing man marking job. That's dream territory for them because they just need to push the man off. They can't get in behind the space, and they were just allowed to dictate the pace of the game. Um, whereas look at look at Tyrone again, as they did against Kerry, bombing a few balls over the top, just creating a bit of mayhem, a bit of havoc. Controlled mayhem because what they did is they pulled it all. It was the textbook Jim McGuinness move for their last goal. Remember the, the the move that they used to have that they pulled everybody down, they dropped the ball, and Michael Murphy or Neil McGarrett. Remember they scored a few goals against uh, Dublin in uh, 2014, just caught them totally on the hop and everyone flying off the break. When I just seen that happen, I said that is just straight off the training pitch. And they tried that a few times in the first half as well because McCon- Conor McKenna was coming deep. And again, throwing up there, knowing if you win it, you're straight through on goal, as they did when they scored their second goal. If you lose, so the ball is that far down the pitch, it doesn't really matter. You've got so many bodies behind. Mayo never tried anything like that. They were so predictable. And Throne just always had them at, at, at arm's length because of that. They never really fired a ball in on top of their midfield. Pulley had no shade. We bit of madness that Mayo, Mayo led. They went out to try and play football and with all due respect, a lot of those Mayo footballers are not ballers. They're not footballers in the same mode. To be fair, you, you say like Mayo were predictable, but at the same time, like the goal chances they created, like they, they could have won that game very easily, I would I would put to you, if they had taken one or two of these very, very, like the, the Conroy one, the Conor Loftus rebound, the ball was bouncing in front of his feet, a very tepid effort. They had a penalty to go a point up, you know, in the second half. Like there was plenty of chances there. So I know as predictable as they were and they did fluff their lines in front of goal, they, they had ample opportunities to win that game. They did not and and, and, and equally thrown to another goal like Darren McCurry for, for, for one of the like the, you could say Loftus chance was, was wasn't even as good as the one McCurry fluffed and, and, and thrown missed a, missed a few chances as well. Um but you just got that sense at, at after the first 10 minutes with Throne, you know got a great start. There's loads of energy you got the first two scores. But then you just got this sense that no this is not as Cora rightly pointed out, you never really got a sense that you knew what Mayo were doing. And they never got a sense that they were comfortable in what they were doing. Like Tommy Conroy was, I, at one stage I looked down, Tommy Conroy was at the 45 on the Cusick stand. And I was like, what, what, what is he doing out there? Like, why does he think it's okay to be out there? That's either coaching or a tactic, but he's your most fastest, dangerous, natural inside forward. And he's stuck out there out of the game. I just can't make sense of that. So someone would need to ask the question, why does that happen on the pitch? Whereas you looked at Throne, Every time you look down on the pitch, you, you just got the sense the players knew where they knew, knew where they were supposed to be, and everywhere around knew that McCurry and McKenna or somebody's going to be making runs in the right space. They didn't always get it, but they had a, they, were, they, were, they were more settled. So when the chances come, well, you have that composure. It's not a surprise. Whereas Rio's chances came, it sort of they just sort of come out of nothing almost, and they don't have that composure. When the throne going back to McCurry's goal. That was a that was a that was a training move. That was a training ground move. That goal from Darren McCoy. They knew exactly what was happening. You can look how Darren Canavan knew what was happening. They knew it was goal on. He took a wee step back to allow McCurry into the space. McCurry made his run, knowing that Conor McKenna was probably going to flick it off, and that's why they scored the goal. Whereas Thrones or Mayo's chances they were just a bit bit chaotic, and it was a toss of a coin in terms of what might happen. 
Yeah, Michael, one interesting thing I found, you know, reading all the coverage today, you know, pretty much every piece is reflected on Mayo's, you know, the chances they missed their forward play. But I, I put it to you, you know, another big game. They could see two goals in the final this year, two in the final last year, two in the semi-final to Dublin in 2019. In the seven finals they've played since 2012, they've only scored three goals and they've conceded 12. So, and even though Mayo's defence will be seen as their strength, you know, really tigerish man markers, and they, they have matched well with a lot of big forwards in the Dublin team over the past few years, they still do concede goals in bunches in big games. You know, three in the, in the semi-final to Mayo in 2014, or Kerry to 20, in 2014, three against Dublin in the semi-final replay in 2015. Like, these are big totals that they are shipping. If they keep a clean sheet yesterday, for instance, or Saturday, rather, again, they have a very good chance of winning the game. Yeah, Colin Keyes did a piece during the week uh, about all the goals they've conceded in the first half uh, that they went on to lose all Ireland finals and didn't obviously concede in the first half. But again, as Dick said, it was... Um, uh, controlled mayhem, I would say, is the right word. They spot, just say, for that ball in for, for, for Cottle McShane, uh, Ushi Mullen was playing him from the front. That's so smart. Put a, put a ball in there, make Henley make a decision, uh, make, make Ushi Mullen make a decision. I, I, I hate goalkeepers coming off the line unless he can take man and ball. I don't think goalkeepers should come off the line. But again, Tyrone made them make that decision. Um, and with their second goal as well, that was a, a really good orchestrated move from Tyrone. But yeah, it's for for a defence that is lauded an awful lot. Um, I would say that they're probably lauded a lot more individually, maybe than collectively. But they have shipped uh, a lot of a lot of kind of big crucial scores in all Ireland finals down through the year. And just a word on Mayo, while we are saying about some negatives about the defence, I know Cora tweeted it yesterday. Like like Lee Keegan has just been phenomenal again Saturday. Just a, you know a ridiculously good performance, especially when. When things were going wrong, and I think it was just after the goal, and he comes up and scores a point off the outside of the right, they're like, I, I don't know if they've ever had a better player. I don't know if they've ever had a better leader as well. And like Dick and Cora will tell you uh, more than anybody else, when things are going wrong, that's when you find out who your real leaders are and who your your real players are and how good somebody is. And he has just continuously stood up down through the years. And I know he um. He delayed on the pitch a good while after and had his little girl out on the pitch with him. I hope that's not the last time we see him in Crow Park because he's just yeah, it's 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 uh it's it'd be horrible for someone of that class to finish without an all Ireland medal. Um so hopefully he will stay on and he'll get another shot at it again. Yeah, do you want to come in on that, Cora? I know you did you have that you know really effusive tweet about how much he's meant to male football as well as his great performance on Saturday. Yeah, and I suppose that's the worry. I know he's still, you know, I think he's 32 coming on 33. So, you know, um, it, it's probably maybe not just the age thing. It's it's probably the mileage and the clock. And, you know, he's been around a long time. And, you know, I think what's this, their sixth defeat, um, sixth All-Ireland, you know, not not including replays, obviously, that he's been involved in. And, um, you know, I think majority of All-Ireland finals, if you look back, he, he's been, you know, the standout for Mayo. And again, um, on Saturday, he he was just immense at times. I think after the penalty, um, you know that we were, we could have gone a point up. Obviously, uh, Ryan, you know, hit the post and it went out for a wide. Lee came up, I think, straight away after that, and and, and won a free that Ryan put over. Um, and and again after the second goal, same thing, drove up drove up the middle and, and a great a great point for outside his boot. But it's it's his leadership, um, you know, right throughout the game, right throughout you know the team. And I think again, um, you know, I spoke about yesterday. That's where we lack, like, you know, and we, we spoke about the Killian effect and, and, you know, he hadn't really been missed all year. And, you know, and I, I was really worried, obviously, that that, that hadn't, uh, you know, obviously came to fruition and, and you're hoping it wouldn't. But 
it's certainly, I'm not saying Killian would have won Mayo the All-Ireland on Saturday, but, I, you know, the lack, to me, there was a huge lack of leadership in that forward third, um, in, in, in that Mayo team. Um, you know, we have a young group of forwards. If you look at the likes of, you know, um, Brian Walsh, um, Ryan O'Donoghue, Tommy Conroy, they're only all in their, you know, their second season with Mayo. And then we had the likes of Aidan, Kevin McLaughlin um, and Dermot, who've been around a long time. But, you know, obviously Aidan, you know, bar his first half, you know, was relatively very quiet in the second half. We didn't see too much from Kevin and I thought Dermot O'Connor was very poor. So the lack of leadership there in, in that in that forward third, you know, just to even help the likes of Tommy and, and, and Ryan and, you know, a huge amount is expected of them. And, you know, Tommy's only 21 and, as I said, only in his, in his second year with Mayo. I, I thought Killian there, um, you know, would, would have made a difference, um, you know, not just on the scoreboard, not just saying, you know, the penalty, anything like that, but his leadership, um, you know, his tackling ability and stuff like that. I think that was a huge loss up there. So, you know, um, but, but certainly going back to Lee, he, he's been a fantastic servant for me. I hope it's not the last we, we see of him. But if you're looking at individual battles and, and you talk about, you know, how many maybe individual battles may have won on Saturday, the only two I could really pick out and say that they, they, you know, performed to where they can perform was Lee Keegan. And I thought Stephen Cohn had an excellent game and particularly in the second half was excellent for Mayo. But if you looked through everyone else, um, you know, you know, Ryan O'Donoghue tried really hard. Tommy Conroy tried hard. I thought Patrick Durkham, while Myler done a, a man-marking job, he, he tried hard. But outside of that, you know, Mayo's big, bigger players didn't perform. And, and I thought then from that point of view, I, I was sitting with um, the Gooch uh, watching the game and he, he turned to me, I think, maybe around the penalty miss, and he says, you know, who can you bring on, you know, to change this game? You know, at this age, there was only, we we're only a point down. And I, and I, I go to him, honestly, because Intention had already come on at this stage, hadn't done much. I said to him, the only one I could turn and look maybe and say was Jordan Flynn. And even at that, Jordan Flynn and the guys that come on, you know, they've been, they've performed well. There, there's no game changer there. We don't have a Colin McShane. We don't have a Derek Hanavan. There's no one that will come on and you say, okay, they're going to kick us one, you know, one, two, or kick us three or four points. Darren, Darren Cohn is probably the only recognisable scoring forward. And he just hasn't probably... He's just not at that level for inter-county football where he can come on and change a game. You know, again, if you go back to last year's All-Ireland final, I think he came on and kicked two wides. You know, he had another bad wide yesterday uh, or on Saturday. So there was nothing there when you looked at the Mayo bench. Um, and that was my real worry when the game was in the melting pot and things were tight. Um, and I, I honestly looked at it and I said, you know, Jordan Flynn can come on and, and he's, you know, he's the transition player, can play a running game, but we've nothing there, you know, to come and, and maybe nip you a goal or kick you two or three points. Yeah, Dick, because it's your own bench in the build-up was one of the possible areas people were pointing to as, a, as an advantage. And Colin McShane, once again, getting a, a key goal, kind of reminiscent of Kieran Donaghy in the 2014 Championship, where he only really came to the fore in the latter stages, but it was probably ultimately the difference in many ways between Kerry winning on that occasion and Tyrone on this occasion. You know, Dara Canavan, again, had, a, had an impact when he came in. It really was a point of difference for, for the two teams. It is, listen, sir. The term impact sub and, and having that, and I'd, I'd have no doubt, you know, both Darrell Canavan and McShane in another team might have started. Like, I'm sure you know, people would have said McShane maybe just doesn't the legs, but he, <laughs> a lot of other managers would have started him. No one's an all out of final, it was a brave call to keep a talent like that in reserve, but it just shows you the value of having you know, almost your strongest team on the pitch at the last 20 25 minutes when everything else before it is, is often a preamble um, and the sharpness and again you know you're right and this is just that bit of natural craft you know getting scores at, 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 
down the home straight and and listen these guys you know Derek Hanavan like he's a match winner ready to go on his own like he just good injuries he hasn't got game time so and, and you can see like he, he should have had a goal in the semi-final against Kerry he should have had a goal against um, or could have had a goal it was sort of a half chance was blocked down but just that natural instinct in front of goals that they, they know what to do with the ball they know what they're there they don't need you know that extra second that let's be honest the Mayo players by and large look like they need and that's why they don't take those chances when they come well because they're not that natural craft of a forward. And, you know, that's I touched on that in, in, in my column today. I think it's about time that from really from a coaching point of view, you know, like, like Mayo were trying to win all Ireland's the last 10 years. You know, so 10 years ago, most of those strong players that were on the pitch on Saturday, they weren't about, they've been coached, they've been developed, they've come up through minors, under 20s, through all the, all the squads, you know, a certain level and a standard is expected of them for when they get to, senior level and they're all about winning all Ireland's they can deliver, deliver that on the pitch you know maybe Mayo and other counties that are trying to win all Ireland's need to go back and sort of question well how are we coaching how are we developing players how are we how are we bringing players to senior level that we're not just training athletes so it's not just all about one style or one way that we're developing footballers that's a long game that's and that's where I touched on Mickey Hart and his influence on that team on Saturday because that level of belief and that standard that you have to be to be a Tyrone player. He set that. He set that 20 years ago, and that has carried on through different teams and generations. And it's not then a surprise when they go and do what they've done on Saturday, because they are that that's been hammered into. And I always reflect back in my own time with Monaghan that we never made that step when there wasn't an awful lot between us and Throne for a lot of the time over the last 10 years. Just that bit of belief and that sense of belonging and have that right to go and win an All-Ireland and challenge for All-Ireland. So Monaghan didn't have, and it's it's going to take somebody like Mickey Hart did to break that mould in, in a county like Monaghan, or Mayo, let's be honest, to say, right, we're going to do something different here. But it comes coaching. So there's, there is questions to be asked with a lot of the players on that Mayo team. You know, is it too far gone to change them and mould them into an All-Ireland calibre team? Or do we have to try and bring and develop new players? Because... As, as Cora said, there's an awful lot of young players on that Mayo team that are, are not far away. If you can add to that over the next two or three years, the likes of Lee Keegan shouldn't even be contemplating retirement. Right? I never won a thing with Monaghan until I was 34 on, okay? And I most of that was then playing as sort of an impact soap and I got a huge amount out of it. Like, you retire when you're not pulled off the bench in, in, a, in a qualifier game like I was, not when you're putting in a man-of-the-match performance in an All-Ireland football final, which Lee Keegan did, you know? So he's, he's loads to give. Um, Aidan O'Shea has loads to give but possibly in a different role possibly in a more of an impact role and a more defined role and not having this well we can play everywhere from 14 to 6 to 11 to 12 and play everywhere we're playing over um, Jermyn O'Connor as well you know game honest but not is he creative enough um, from a scoring point of view uh, to be have on the pitch you know Conor Loftus he's been manufactured into a midfielder he started out as a sort of a, a potential Tommy Conroy is now. I know watching 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 um Connor Loftus when he came on the scene force core. Like he looked like a gay that could be that inside forward. He has an eye for gold, but yet he's been pulled out of there and tried to be manufactured into mid, midfielder, which let's be honest, was found out on um Saturday that he is not in terms of just that natural instinct, aerial ability in, in the middle. So hard questions, but I think there still is room for Mayo to build and improve but you know no point in coming back to next year with, with the same and expecting a different result I know. 
Yeah, Michael, like speaking of next year, I know we've only just blown the whistle on the end of 2021, but 2022 promises to be extremely fascinating. You know, we have big question marks in Dublin and Kerry, obviously May on Tyrone, both getting to the final, Tyrone winning it. I wouldn't say if it's, would you say it's wide open going into next year? Like when the ball is thrown up in 2022 for the first time, who is the favourite? I'd still have Dublin as favourites for 2022, if I'm if I'm honest. Um, uh, it, was, it was going back through the last, their last nine years, the three times they were beaten in the championship, they were beaten by Mayo in, 12, Donegal and 14, and Mayo in 2021, and neither of the three went on to win the All-Ireland, funnily enough. Um, but I, I do expect them to regroup uh, massively. Um, I think, obviously, the wheels came off somewhat against Mayo. Um, I think the wheels would be firmly back on, and I would be would have, I would imagine the debrief has taken place already. No more than Jim Gavin's famous debrief took place in the Gibson for four or five hours the day after the Donegal defeat in 2014. I'm sure something similar has happened already. And then you have uh, you have a Kerry team that we don't know who's going to be over Kerry next year at the moment and they have more question marks going into 2022 than they had probably coming into this year then you have the defending champions and then you have Mayo who regardless of whether they were beaten Saturday and whether they're beaten in five All-Irelands in a row they're still going to be there or thereabouts and I'd, I'd imagine Tyrone would give a lot of hope to would say the Donegals, the Monaghans, the Galways of this world as well that they're not a million miles away as well. So I'd still have Dublin as favourites next year, but it, it's relatively wide, wide open. And this came a good bit sooner, I'd say, than Tyrone expected. Now, uh, Brian Dewar did say, obviously, you don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And it was there for them to win this year, and they did. But I'd imagine realistic would have been, you know, second or third year, maybe Tyrone winning All-Ireland. So it's going to be really interesting to see whether they kick on again. I'd imagine they will uh, outside of... Maybe Matty Donnelly, um, who was quiet Saturday but had a brilliant, brilliant year. It doesn't look like there's anybody really is going to be stepping away. So yeah, twenty. It's we're only just finished, but twenty twenty two looks like it's going to be a cracker again. Yeah, Cor, I might give you the last word. Like, how are you looking ahead to, to next year's campaign, both from a Mayo perspective and looking at some of the other contenders that Mayo or that Michael outlined there? Can I just ask you, Cora, how difficult is it to look ahead uh, straight after? Not been, not been smart. It's just it's so it's always so raw, and you're always looking ahead to next year. How difficult is that even? Yeah, I, I think it's massively diff- difficult. I think the longer it goes, um, and I think this year in particular, I think every year in the last decade that Mayo have gone to an All Ireland final they have in somewhat performed and maybe been unlucky or just beaten by, you know, narrow mix, narrow margins, you know, obviously against Dublin in majority, Donegal who in, in, in one as well. But I think this year is a little bit different. I think there's going to be a huge sting in the tail because as Dick rightly said, this was a poor Mayo performance. It was a five, six out of 10 at best. And I think that's really going to sting them. And I think it's probably their best opportunity um, prior, obviously, to the game to win to win the All Ireland, so I think that's going to be really hard to take. Um, you know, when you've knocked out the six in a row All Ireland champions, and then the the next big contenders at the time in Kerry are gone. This is a huge opportunity, and these are opportunities that you know you, you feel that you have to take. And, and again, they didn't on Saturday, and I think the performance um, and the way they performed would be the biggest thing in the tail. So it, it is going to be hard for them to regroup. Um, especially the older players that's been around for a while and it's another defeat. Um, so it, it is going to be difficult. But to talk about Mayo moving forward, I suppose, if you look, Lee Keegan, probably Kevin McLaughlin, Aidan O'Shea, I think, you know, Colin Boyle maybe in the substitutes, um, you know, Brendan Harrison, they're probably the older um, statesmen of, of the team. Will any of them go? You'd, you'd hope not. Um, 
I suppose Lee Keegan and Kevin McLaughlin are maybe two, you know, they have young families. It, it can be difficult all the, the time that they're, they're away from them. So they might be, but, you know, I'd be, I'd be shocked to see either of them go. Um, and I suppose as we spoke about, you know, Aidan O'Shea, um, you know, he, he takes so much abuse, you know, down here from, from the general public and not just in Mayo. And, and I, I suppose over the years, we haven't still found where's Aidan O'Shea's best role in the, in the last few years. So, again, I suppose that needs to be defined. Um, you know, where, where are we going to play him? Is, is he now going to be the type of an impact sub? Um, I, I don't think we can go every year going, is he is his best position at 14, is it 11, is it at midfield? I don't think he's mobile enough to be midfielder. I think that's ruled out. But it is, if it's going to be an inside forward, they're going to have to... You know, give him time in there, work on it, you know, play him the whole National League through there if, if that's where James wants to, to try it out. I think we need to become a system of play, as I said, especially in our forward line. We probably need to try and unearth um, another forward or two. I know Killian is back, Ryan O'Donoghue and, and Tommy Conroy are going to be, again, better for this because, as I said, of their age and they're, they're very young. But we, we kind of need to develop our forwards. And, and yeah, while Division One, it's a difficult, um, you know, place to be and you want to hold your status. And, you know, obviously it was a bit different Division Two and, la- and less games. Um, but I think we really need to, coming into National League time in February, really, really hone in and playing a forward system of play. I think we've lacked that for many years. And, and I think if we don't, you know, in some way try and hone in on that, it could take a year or two, you know, we're probably never going to win in All Ireland if, if that doesn't change. So I suppose that's from the Mayo point of view. You know, from teams going forward, I do agree with Michael. I think Dublin are going to come back. Um, again, we see um, you know who who, the, who who maybe stays and who goes there. Um, and I think you know obviously Kerry are always in the mix. Um, you know they have that crop coming through from their five in a row a minor All Irelands. Um, you know in the in the last few years, but but again, I think you know they're probably um, look back at their their last three years and you know have huge disappointment. Bar two thousand and nineteen, they've been hugely disappointed. And so, yeah, and, and then as you said, Tyrone winning and probably not expected to win, and you know being probably two or three years away from when we we, we thought they might have success. It gives hope to the to the likes of the Galways. Um, the Monaghans and, and the Donegals, but you know I, I don't think your your top three or four has changed. I, I think it's the it's probably you know the the Dublin, Tyrone, Kerry, Mayo in in that maybe not in that order, but that, that they're certainly your top four um, going into next year. You know Mayo are the type that are just resilient; they'll bounce back. And yeah, come I suppose January next year, they're going to have to be just ready to 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 go again. You know they're the type that are so resilient that they'll, they'll just bounce back and keep going. Yeah, well, twenty twenty two certainly can't come soon enough. But for the moment, Dick or thanks so much for joining us over the course of the season and, and today. Well, it's time to turn our attention to Camogie on the Throne podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. We're delighted to be joined by Ursula Jacob to look back on the weekend final. How are you, Ursula? Thanks. Good. Uh, delighted after the three big games yesterday. Wexford obviously started off the day very well. And then we had a cracking intermediate final and finished with a top class senior final. So, yeah, I'm still buzzing from it. Yeah, took away uh, second time in three years at the All-Ireland Champions. Very dramatic finale to the game. It looked like Cork had wrestled back the momentum going into the last 10 minutes. But, but what a what a way that the Galway team saw out the game. I know the McGrath sisters, you know, you talked about them in your uh, Irish Independent article today, really to the fore. How impressed were you with how they kind of finished out the game? 
uh, I, that was the difference really and probably in the past it would have been one criticism of God where maybe you know if a team had got ahead of him they maybe would have dropped the heads or they wouldn't have fought back but the character and the resilience that they showed after Katrina Mackey got that goal like Galway outscored Cork after that 1-4 to a point and obviously the McGrath sisters were to the fore of that along with Ailish O'Reilly who got a crucial free out under the stand as well and you know the McGraths are well used to winning finals in Crow Park at this stage but they, they seem to always get the, the goal at the right time and it was a brilliant finish by Siobhan McGrath you know I was nearly when I saw Ailish uh, O'Reilly with the ball I was wondering was she going to leave it too late to pass the ball to Siobhan but they got the timing right and then Orla's two fantastic points at the end just you know got Galway over the edge but uh, it was a fantastic final, you know, it had everything, it was high intensity, the referee was brilliant, she let the ball, you know, she let the game flow and it just added to the whole spectacle, really. Yeah, Michael, you were there in Croke Park yesterday covering the game uh, for the Irish Dependent. Like, what what jumped out to you? It's funny, we we, we talked about after the semi-finals, you know, Colin Murray's comments kind of talking up, or sorry, Potty Murray's comments talking up the Galway team as, you know, roaring hot uh, favourites, but it was such a tight game in the end, you know, what jumped out to you over the course of the match? Yeah, it was kind of, uh, if you flip, you kind of nearly flip the, the Galway's performance in the final with Cork's performance in the semi final. Uh, Galway were the, the better side, the more than Cork were in their semi final against Kilkenny. And then it looked like they were going to get kind of ransacked at the end of the game. And then they stood up big time, in fairness to Galway, because it looked like it looked like Cork were, were getting control of the game. They got back to, I think Arda Cronin had a free to, to go a point down and then she got a point from play then they got the goal and you know they're just thinking they're going to kick on they were they were causing the Galway defence a good bit of trouble and then you know all their leaders uh, really started standing up Aoife Dunne who was brilliant at midfield but it was the last 15 or 20 minutes where she was particularly good Neve Kilkenny had a brilliant second half just on that midfield battle as well I don't know if I've ever seen a better midfield battle between Hannah Looney and Ashley Thompson and um Neve Donahue and Neve Kilkenny. It was or Aoife Donahue and Neve Kilkenny is absolutely brilliant. And like I was doing the ratings for the match, and you couldn't give any of them. I think three of them got eights, and one of them got seven. Like the four of them were absolutely outstanding. But it just a lot of Galway's leaders just really stood up at the end. The, the defense, like Sarah Durvin, as always, teak tough at the back, leading the defense. They just weren't going to let anything in, and the McGraths kind of really stood up there near the end. And Ailish O'Reilly, as uh, as Ursa said. Carrie Dolan was just after going off after putting over a free and Ailish O'Reilly had a free underneath the Hogan stand and an awful free really for it to be her first free. She tapped she tapped that over beautifully, just nervously. And then she obviously gave the killer pass for, for Siobhan McGrath's goal. And then Arla McGrath, who'd been relatively quiet throughout, like I don't remember getting the ball in her hand too many times throughout the game. And then she got it in her hand twice at the end and nervously put it over. Um but just uh, on the back of something Ursula said there, that's the best uh, Camogie final I can remember in a long, long time. Um, two sides that just went at it, toe to toe, the whole way through. Fairness to Liz Dempsey, let the let the game flow. It's uh, Maybe the, the rules have to go out the window a small bit, but when a referee swallows the whistle and allows the game to take place like that, it was brilliant. It was so physical. The rule changes in recent years have just made it so much easier on the eye. Like in previous years, she could have been blown every 30 seconds, whereas yesterday she was allowed to let the game go within the rules. And uh, yeah, just a brilliant game, a thrilling finale. Yeah, it's funny because we've been doing this podcast for a good few years now. And there was a few Mondays after the Camogie final where, you know, the amount of freeze being given, you know, really was the big talking point. But as you said in your column, Marissa, like you said, Camogie's never been in a better place. You know, why do you think the sport, you know, 
is thriving so much at the moment? Is it, as Michael said, maybe allowing a little more physicality in contact and not, you know, blowing for so many frees? Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, Liz, Liz deserves huge credit for that because she did allow the game to flow. You know, camogie teams at this level are able to take a certain level of physicality. We're not looking for dirty play or anything like that, but to allow those girls fully express themselves out in Crow Park, that's what you want. And, you know, yesterday, you know, the, the, the strength and condition of these girls as well, they've taken up another notch. You know, we were just saying it there, watching the game yesterday. You know, the, the fitness levels of both teams, anyone that came on, they just added to it as well. You know, credit to the management team and the backroom team for having the girls in such incredible shape. And even, like we just mentioned there, Carrie Dolan, who missed all the championship bar the first game against Westmead with a serious knee injury. And to come back then um, on yesterday and to chip in with six points from freeze and, and great freeze as well. And she contributed massively to, to Galway's win yesterday as well. That just shows, you know, the character in this Galway squad. But I fully agree with Michael, that midfield duel of Eva Donoghue and Hannah Looney was absolutely fascinating. I don't know, would people even fully see the moves, the runs, the tackles, everything they were doing off the ball was just phenomenal. Like, if Cork had probably won it, Hannah Looney was probably player of the match. Aoife Donahue got player of the match with, with Galway winning it. So it was just fascinating from start to finish, that that duel in particular. Just to piggyback on something Ursula said there, uh, Will, just talking even about strength and conditioning wise, the quality of the striking on show yesterday, like, you know, defenders even under pressure under 45 clearing a ball over you know the far 65 easily like the quality of the pass and the quality of the striking um was just top class really it was the best it was the best i've seen any in recent years and with the level of strength and conditioning gone up and girls getting fitter and fitter uh the quality on show that that was as good as i've seen yesterday and it had everything because it had the quality and also had like just that tense physical battle and the game coming right down the clutch. So it was a perfect, ad- the finals haven't probably been the best advertisements of Camogie in recent years, but this was a brilliant advertisement for the game. Yeah, and there's a, just to go back to that finale for, again for a second, like, you know, after Cork get that goal, from their perspective, they only score one more point for the last, you know, 10 or so minutes. You know, what will they look back on in that period and point to, oh, if we had just done that or we had done this, we might have ended up as the winners? They'll be looking at those small margins and they will be disappointed that they maybe didn't kick on. It's something we probably would have expected out of Cork when I, I felt the game needed a goal. And obviously Mackey's goal was a brilliant was a brilliant goal, but they will be disappointed that they didn't kick on and they allowed Galway back into it. Now that's huge credit to Galway as well. I would have felt, you know, Linda Collins obviously didn't start, you know, Orla Cron- Cronin took her place. I felt that uh, Linda probably should have started. I know she came on, Linda came on and made a huge impact, but I felt that Linda was going in with good momentum after coming on the semi-final and I would have started her because she's a constant scoring threat. Some of the younger girls like Fiona Keaton, Kira O'Sullivan are good players, but at this level, you need someone like a leader, like Linda Collins, playing in your attack because I felt that Cork were struggling, struggling maybe to get points from open play. Orla Cronin had a crack in second half, got two super points, and Amy O'Connor was dangerous every time it was going in. But I felt that maybe Linda Collins should have started yesterday. I think she she was good enough to start, and she was someone who who was very capable of scoring three or four points. So. That maybe will be one thing that Cork will reflect back on. Maybe she should have started from, from the off. 
Yeah, Michael, like, what, what did you make of that Orla Cronin kind of, you know, controversy in the build-up? And, and did it have any impact? Like, these kind of lengthy hearings can go on for a long time. I was actually looking at Paddy Murray's comments before we came on air saying they always knew it was going to have to go, you know, the whole hog to, to the DRA. So he's he saying, I think they're a waste of time in the build-up because, you know, you're just kind of ultimately waiting for, for, the, for the final one. Uh, you know, very not a great thing to have kind of around your team when you're going into an all Ireland final, I wouldn't have thought. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, Potty said he was in bed when uh, when the judgment came through on Saturday night. I, I I don't know if that was said tongue in cheek or not. I'm sure not sure if I believed that if I was waiting on a judgment on one of my best players whether they were playing or not. Um, he also said that that she didn't train with them um, while the suspension was going on, which I thought was um, interesting to say at least. So that would suggest that she didn't train in the build up to the All Ireland final. So. That was another aside, but uh, it was definitely uh, a sideshow that you wouldn't want. Like if you look at Peter Casey getting cleared for, for the All-Ireland final, like he was cleared in loads of time. You know, they knew they had him available a week before the, the match, whereas I think that hearing was last Tuesday and then the final appeals hearing was on Friday and then the DRA was on Saturday. And I think it was just around midnight on Saturday that she finds out she's available. Um, I think that was all done in person as well. So... Like in fairness to Arla Crona, it didn't take anything out of her. It had no effect no. on her. But um, yeah, it was just, it, I thought it was weird just to uh, piggyback on what Ursula said there. The, the Linda Collins thing, um, like she was brilliant in the semi final when she came on. Like if you're picking the 15, if you're picking the 12 or 13 best players, even in Cork, she's within that, not just even within the first 15. So I did think that was strange. She obviously led them around for the parade the first time in a, in a long, long time that there's been uh, more than 15 going around the parade, but hard for her to take that, that that she wasn't starting. And she obviously set up the goal and she got back for a brilliant hook on, uh, on Neve Kilkenny at one stage to, to deny her a point. But um, it's definitely a sideshow. The, the Cronin appeal is definitely a sideshow. Uh, you just you just don't want kind of things like that. Like that was all the narrative in the build-up to the game and it's not something you want. But thankfully... Uh, the action on the pitch is all that anyone's talking about after, and that's that's the way you want it. Yeah, and just to talk a bit about Colin Murray's comments after the game, Ursula, kind of a statement of intent almost that he's saying that the team needs another All-Ireland to be one of the truly great teams. Like he talked about the Wexford team that won three in a row and the Cork team that went back-to-back -back twice, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, for Galway to go back-to-back. -back, it, it just shows that they really want to be held in the esteem that some of these other great sides are. Listen, and they would have been very disappointed last year to lose the final, you know, to Kilkenny. And I think, you know, I, I was speaking to Cottle after the game and he was even saying the same, that they want to build on from this now. You know, they're there, they're about every year, but they want to be considered a great team. And I would consider them a great team, but I, I understand what he means, that it's nice to do the back-to-back. -back. Now, winning one is is extremely tough, but some of these girls like Sarah Darvin, Neve Kilkenny, Ailish O'Reilly, they've been around this scene, you know, maybe for the last 12, 13 years. So it will be interesting to see, you know, will they will they stick together and try push on for, you know, back-to-back -back titles? You know, you still have the Kilkenny's, the Tips, Cork, who will come back this, next year, no doubt. You know, and even the likes of Heather Clooney, who missed out on the game la uh, yesterday. You know, she, she's she been an ever-present in that Galway defence, and you, your heart will go out to her that she missed yesterday's final, but she... she no doubt we'll come back stronger next year. But I think Cottle will will stick with him, you know, seeing that he's back for another three years. So he wants to build on this. He wants to get the back-to-back -back titles. And Galway are capable of that because they're they're very successful at underage, intermediate level, they reach the semi-final. And then in the club scene, you know, you've got the Sarsfields team who are who are still uh, competing at the highest level. So the future is bright for Galway, but 
you know, it's a game of inches. Cork, you know, will look back and they'll see where maybe where they could have won it. You know, there's such a, a, a talent pool of uh, young players coming through from Cork as well. So they'll be very, very disappointed from yesterday, but they'll no doubt come back stronger next year again. Yeah, and it's great to be sitting here on the Monday after the Ireland final, once again talking about it being a great game. And as you said yourself, the sport's never been in a better place. So, you know, it can't be more positive from that point of view. But for the moment, Ursa, thanks so much for joining us over the course of the season. That's all we have time for the throne this season in association with Gosh Energy. Thank you so much for joining myself and Michael over the course of 2021. We'll be back next year. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag hurling to the core.